Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. Well, this week we continue volume two of our study in 1 Timothy called Living the Truth. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 to 8, as Dr. Newfeld brings us a message titled Family Rules. I'm reading 1 Timothy 5, 1 to 8. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow left all alone has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You know, it's impossible to find a family without rules. Whether it's a functioning family or a dysfunctional family, all families have rules because in some way, rules establish a family. You know, things like don't hit your sister or eat your peas or we all say grace before we start a meal or we all have chores to fulfill, learning to say please and thank you. And all these are rules that form our perspective, our values, our goals, whether or not we become a person of character or a bum. You know, some time ago, I did a wedding in which the young woman, she was a brand new believer, she informed me that she grew up in a home where she had never experienced a family meal. So I asked her, well, how did you eat? And the answer, we just grabbed something, we made it ourselves, we sat in front of the TV, or we went off to our rooms. She told me she was learning for the first time ever what a relationship was, what love, caring, and community, and shared values was all about. It was a world she didn't even know could exist. You know, in my own family, we had huge rules just around eating. We all sit together. We all pray together. We all talk to one another. We all eat together. We don't dig into dessert until mom sits down at the table. We don't leave until the right time. You know, these kinds of rules establish the kind of family that we were. Well, the text before us is about the family of God. Every local church is a family, and Paul's interested in establishing family rules because the rules we live by, will establish the kind of family we are. They establish whether we know even the slightest thing about love and caring and community and shared values. Because just like our biological family, Christ is also interested in the rules around his family. And when people who don't know Christ come to us, they'll find out what it looks like and feels like to be a Christian church and a Christian family. Now, the text we've just read can be broken into two parts. The first verses 1 to 2 is about rules that govern our interaction with each other. So let's refresh our memories. Don't rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. So please understand the context. Remember that Timothy has been called by Paul to go to the problem church of Ephesus. So first of all, he's to confront certain elders who are teaching false doctrines. He was to demand repentance, call for the teaching of truth. Secondly, he was to establish the basis for leadership. Good leaders are good leaders in their own families. And he was to select and appoint elders and deacons. And he was to be on guard against those who were departing from the faith. 
He was to make sure that doctrine remained pure. And in order to accomplish that, you have to believe that there would be those in the church in Ephesus who would oppose him. And so Paul tells Timothy that he is to let no one despise him for his youth. In other words, he is to assume the role of leader, even over those older than him. And so let's think about what's implied in the text. First, Timothy is to be clear about direction and leadership. And I say that because Timothy is forbidden from rebuking older men. And if you're not careful, you'll get the wrong idea from this text. You're going to assume the older men are the leaders and Timothy had no right to confront them or set direction and demand they follow his leadership. And if you got that idea, well, then you'd be wrong. You see, there are cultures in the world in which it is assumed that the older men govern by virtue of their age, but that's not biblical. Of course, when we're in our parents' home, where we're not yet adults, we are to obey our parents. There, it's a matter of age. But when we become adults, we're to honor our parents. So what's happened, obedience has been abandoned, and rightly so, and honor has taken its place. There is, of course, an assumption in this, that is, that the young man or young woman has grown up. (laughs) You know, don't even get me going on those people who fail to launch. I mean, they don't take responsibility. They don't obey their parents, even while mommy and daddy still pay their bills. That is, they're never growing up. But I'm talking about someone who does grow up. You know, in the case of a boy becoming a man, a young man gets a career and he establishes himself financially. He finds a woman who's got, like I call, the two Gs. She's gorgeous and godly. He marries her and then he leads her and has children with her and he disciples them with her. He's taken responsibility for his life and he moves forward with confidence and vision. And that's what it is to be an adult, Bubba. You know, his mom and dad no longer call the shots. He does but he never stops honoring his parents. He holds them in high regard, for they have poured their life into him. They've dreamed about him becoming a responsible adult, that he follows the Lord with gladness. Now, this is Timothy. Paul says that leaders are not chosen on the basis of age, but rather on the basis of their calling and of meeting a criteria established by God. And so, in the church, the family of God, it's often the case that a younger man will be called upon to lead an older man because leadership is established by God. But says Paul, in those cases where older men and older women need to be corrected, Paul says, don't you rebuke them. So the word rebuke, you see here, it's related to another Greek word, which means to strike or to hit someone with your fists. In this context, it means to hit someone with your words to strike them with your speech. It means to denounce them, to hammer them, to put them straight, give them a piece of your mind. And whenever you say, well, I put that person straight, well, you're out of line with God's family rules. Paul says to Timothy, you got to resist that no matter how the older man is acting. Instead of going after him, Timothy was to encourage him. The NASB translation says, appeal to him. The King James said, exhort him. In other words, train, teach him. The Greek word contains the idea of encouraging and appealing and teaching and correcting with seriousness and yet with concern for the individual. It speaks of correcting while honoring. Now remember, we are talking about family rules among the people of God. See, what sorts of rules establish the kind of family that we are and want to become? And the first is that we need to be clear about leadership. We've said that. And then second, honor needs to be given to the aged. And the Bible is very clear about how the young are to treat the elderly. 
You might consider Leviticus 19.32. You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God, I am the Lord. Well, Proverbs 30, verse 17 is actually quite graphic. It says, the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. Well, it doesn't mean it's going to actually physically happen, but there will be a blowback to that kind of behavior. You see, we need to hear this because it's quite easy to dismiss the elderly as being past their prime, useless, and to be set aside. Family rules tell us that's not the way we handle things in the church of Jesus. See, listen to how Paul thought on this in Romans 16, verse 13. It's part of the greetings at the end of the book. And there he says, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, and then he adds, who has been a mother to me as well. You see how Paul thought of his ministry. There were some older women in the church of the family of God, and he thought of them and treated them as if they were his own mother. And so we're talking about family rules. First, leadership is established by God. Second, the aged must be honored among the people of God. And now third, we must treat one another, all of us, with biblical love. See, Timothy is given instruction as to how to treat people who are his own age. Young men are called his brothers. They share a common father, they have a common Lord, they have a common faith, so we are brothers with each other. Young women are his sisters, but here he has to add something lest it be forgotten. In all purity, he says. Paul knows that nothing so destroys a young pastor as his conduct with women. If he begins in his own mindset to think of them as his sisters, he will treat them differently. And if Timothy is to be an example to the flock, it's also true of us that nothing so destroys the Christian family as our interaction with the opposite sex. Momentum continues to pick up as friends look to travel with us on our 2022 Israel Experience. Join us in this Holy Land adventure from April 24th to May 2nd, 2022 with Bible teacher Dr. John Newfeld, Latha Gaines, Phil Calloway, special musical guest Laura Hastings, and the Back to the Bible Canada ministry team. Tour the Holy Land, walk where Jesus, Paul, David walked, sail the Sea of Galilee, visit the Jordan River, the Garden of Gethsemane, David's royal palace, and experience communion together at the Garden Tomb. A traveler from our last experience shared, the trip was overwhelmingly wonderful, the trip of a lifetime. The full Israel Experience itinerary is available online, and to ensure an intimate vacation experience, numbers are limited, so register soon. For more information, call 1-800-663-2425 or visit our events page at backtothebible.ca. When Paul gives instructions to the young, he remembers we're all sexual beings. I'm constantly amazed at how people deny that most basic law of attraction. I've counseled unmarried couples who will justify living together, even sleeping in the same bed, and they say to me, oh, but we're not having sex. I've seen men and women married to others pretending they have a friendship with someone of the opposite sex. So just to be clear and on the record, how quickly friendship turns to an odd hug and then more, 
it turns into something that is a burning attraction. Sometimes the obvious needs to be said. You know, some time ago, I worked with my pastoral staff to craft a series of statements regarding our conduct with members of the opposite sex. Among them, we agreed that we will not travel alone with someone of the opposite gender. We agreed that we would not have private lunches with someone of the opposite gender, that we would not meet alone in the evening with someone of the opposite gender, that we will not discuss sexual topics with them, but rather refer those in counseling to someone of the same gender, that we will distance ourselves from any relationship where we feel tempted. I think that should be a model for all of us. We will treat each others as brothers and sisters in all purity. It's family rules. There are rules that govern the most basic interaction that we have with others. And then Paul moves from the general rules about our interactions with each other to rules that govern our care for those in need. Now, we'll notice this in verse 8 today, but we'll also notice it tomorrow when we get to verse 16. And it may seem surprising, as we're talking about family rules, that we have two short verses on, you know, fathers, brothers, mothers, and sisters, and then we've got 14 verses about widows. So why is that? Well, the answer, no doubt, has something to say about the church in Ephesus. For some reason, the church in Ephesus needed to know how to care for widows. It had become a major issue. The fact that so much time is spent on this tells me it must be important to God. Now, I know some of us might feel tempted to dismiss this. You know, widows in the first century world were often left destitute. Widows in our country often have the advantage of even a life insurance policy or a government social safety net and so forth, but not always. But given that things have changed, why is this passage still relevant for us today? Well, curiously, while I was studying this passage and examining the meaning of the words, I found out that the Greek word for widow, the word heras, actually refers to women who have lost their husbands through any means. Well, that would include death and imprisonment and divorce and desertion, well, you name it. And suddenly, armed with a different definition of this passage, I looked at what Kent Hughes had to say. He said, today, the application of this passage should be wider because modern American culture has produced a category of women virtually unknown in the first century. Christian women and children who have been abandoned by their spouses and left without family support. Godly single mothers are a new class of widow. And those without family and resources are the church's sacred responsibility. I want us to consider that for a moment. The disintegration of the family has left many without any social network, and in some cases without financial support. And that matters to the church, so why is that? Well, the Old Testament has much to say about widows. God, we're told, is a protector of the widows. If you're a godly single mom, then know that God has singled you out for his protection. And we as the people of God have some family rules that regard you. If God has singled you out for protection, then we may be God's means of doing that. Now, before we go further, would you notice the phrase truly widows in verse 3? Now, that's an important phrase. See, it doesn't mean that some women actually did have a husband around. They're not truly widows. That is, you know, he's tied up, you know, in the basement (laughs) or something like that. You know, it rather speaks about assessing need. Someone who is truly a widow is someone who meets the criteria for financial support. So look again at verse 4. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, Let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. And verse 8, 
If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. See, every believer has a God-ordained obligation to their aged parents. And that's especially important. And I want to get ahead of myself, but if we were to go to verse 9, we have the idea of a 60-year-old widow. She's reached the age of retirement. She's no longer able to support herself. Now, in our day, we think of someone much older. But the reason I say that is because in order to establish who's genuinely a widow, the age of the woman was an issue, but also the insistence that believing children are responsible for their aged parents and not the church. See, when my own parents reached their older years, I met with my siblings and we determined we'd never leave them alone. As they were aging in their home and then later my mom in a nursing home, we determined we would always be there. And in my years as a pastor, you know, I've seen much of that, but sometimes people would call the church and they'd ask if the church were meeting with their parents. So why not ask them was my response. Well, in truth, they hadn't seen them for a long time. See, according to verse 8, you're in the same category as the false teachers of Ephesus. You're worse than an unbeliever. Don't you call on the church to do what you're called upon to do? That doesn't mean the church doesn't visit them, but you're the first line of defense. That's house rules. Now, I know our culture has you know, social programs, including nursing care and a host of other items. Uh, let me share with you what often happens. Many elderly people in care homes haven't seen their kids, some for many years. So when we talk about people in need, the first line of defense is the biological family of the people that are involved. And then second, the church has to determine who qualifies for assistance. I know that many people feel that the church is supposed to provide financial help for everyone, no questions asked. But, and this is a surprise to many of us, the Bible teaches the exact opposite. You know, for instance, listen to 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Now, in the case of older widows, they can no longer work. There are, look at verses 4 and 5, two qualifications. One, she has no family network to support, and two, she's known for her godly character. So you might say, well, why is that so important? Well, the answer has something to do with family rules among the people of God. In the family, nothing must deter from individual responsibility. Look again at verses 5 and 6. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God, continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. The church never cares for people in order that they might become self-indulgent. You see, the Bible does not condemn the rich, but it does condemn the idle rich. It condemns the person who wants to make enough money so that, you know, he or she can drop out on life, live for himself or herself, and not for the service to the family of God. And in God's wisdom, he knows that some people who are not rich— but who do need support, will use the support to simply allow themselves to be idle. And whatever we do, when we care for those in need, family rules mean we will never allow the enemy to deter you from individual responsibility. Look again at verse 8. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. See, nothing must deter from the primary family to take care of members of their own family. Now, I recognize there'll be people outside the family of God who've come to faith in Christ who have an unbelieving family. That's a different matter. 
But among believers, we must take control of our own families and provide for those who are in need. I began by speaking about the movement from you know childhood to adulthood. And then in verse 8, I see the importance of a family value. God wants us to provide for members of our own household. Now, I'm not unaware that for some this is difficult because of finances. But let me help you. You know, some time ago, in my small group, two women were diagnosed with cancer at the same time. I remember the group having both of them sit in the center of the circle as all of us gathered and prayed for them. As time went by, it was amazing to see people care, minister to, be a part of their lives, and I watched God's family at work. And folks, that's family. It happens as an extension of family. It happens as a result of relationship. It comes about because we love each other and we care for each other. It's not about institutions handing out cash. It's about families helping families. It's about us being deeply involved in the lives of others and pouring out our lives for them. Those are family values. Thanks for your message, John. Is there something here that we can learn about our accountability as God's people for the poor or the disadvantaged? Well, Ben, as you have spent so much of your life in that kind of a ministry of caring for the poor, you know that um, it is important uh, that uh, Christian people do care for the poor. Now, the point and the biblical point I think that Paul has been making is that we find our first obligation to make sure that uh, if you know, there are the poor in our own family network um, that we need to stretch out our hands uh, towards them. I mean, this is one of the ways in which the church is the church because we learn what it is to take accountability and responsibility for those who are our family. So I think it's important to say that. But that also makes us recognize that there are those that are poor who have no family that surrounds them, and that's when the church becomes their family. Now, there are numerous ways in which the church can be involved in the lives of the poor. Uh, ben, from my own experience, it's always been that it is the uh, the poor who has no home that's the hardest to deal with because they have no permanent address. But, you know, for those who do, I think I know a lot of ways in which we can minister to their needs. Thanks so much, John. And remember to join us again tomorrow as we continue our series, Living the Truth, right here on Back to the Bible Canada, Bible Teaching you can trust. Talk about heaven and hell has been forgotten in the present hour. For this reason, current evangelicalism sounds so very different from the kind of faith we find in the pages of the New Testament. In his preaching, Jesus depicted a roadway leading to either heaven or hell. The broad road leads to destruction. The narrow path leads to life. These are words written by Dr. John Newfeld in his newest book, Heaven and Hell. What could be as important as understanding the truth behind the reality of heaven and hell? Choose to request this new book today as our free gift for the month of November only. Call us now at 1-800-663-2425 or visit us online at backtothebible.ca. And while you're there, consider offering a financial gift to support Bible teaching you can trust 
and important Bible teaching resources like Heaven and Hell.